This is Bladcast 550. Today, the Bladcast Triumvirate is reunited as Christian is joined by original Bladcaster Will Sterling and longtime fan favorite Jeff Duray. So sit back for a true Bladcast rarity. The gang back together, and they actually keep it to an hour. So, without further ado, hey, that's offensive to us in the ado business. Here's Christian Black. Welcome to the Bladcast. Yeah, that's right. We get the bell in right away here on the Blackcast. This is indeed Blackcast episode 550. Sometimes the number I say sounds crazier than others, and this is one of those times. As always, I am Christian Blatt of the Blackcast, joined by Jeff DeRay, not of the DeRay cast, but uh, the Jeff cast. I believe uh, we're still about two or three years away. You said you were... Some time ago, you said you were spending 10 years working on one episode. And uh, I wanted to know how the progress was going. Uh, slowly. Slowly. Oh, okay. uh, but, uh, you know, mostly as, as someone with likely undiagnosed ADHD, what I need is the pressure of a deadline. So once, that, <laughs> once we're at like nine years, 364 days, that's when I think I'm going to do my best work. And that's when we'll get the return of... D -d 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 DJ Tanner. At least, <laughs> hey, I mean, now, now that I have the new house, we've we're, we're gonna have a whole music room, so maybe DJ Tanner will come back sooner than that. I, I love that idea, and yes, uh, we are joined by our pal Jeff DeRay. Uh, it's it's been a minute since uh, we've talked to Jeff. Uh, will Sterling will he or won't he? <laughs> it's actually not what I was about to say, but then it seemed funny in my head. Uh, he was uh, having some microphone issues. And I, I told him if the condition persists, please consult your job, your doctor. Um, I got that joke right when I set it off the air and <laughs> over it on the air. That is what people have been coming to the Blackcast for. For let's count, uh, oh yeah, ten years. And one of the things I like about doing the Blackcast is I uh, consider myself fortunate to get the opportunity to turn up in a number of different places, sometimes as a guest on a show, that sort of a thing. And every once in a while, I'll find out that someone who is a fan of another show has actually been a longtime uh, Black Cast fan. And, uh, you know, there's always the question of, uh, you know, why, but I always appreciate it. So, uh, shout out to Kyle in Pennsylvania, who, uh, just for the simple fact that he said he's been listening for six years, he's getting a black cast t-shirt and, uh, he's, uh, been avoiding our movie review episodes because he hasn't seen any of the movies. And that's a big, uh, uh, oh, because, uh, we have done a lot of movie reviews. <laughs> uh, by the time this uh, episode appears in the audio feed, we will have done our Indiana Jones five episode. Uh, but uh, Jeff, you have not uh, gotten to see that or you have not made it out to the movies in a little bit, right? No, I think the last time I went to the movies was for something we did. I forget. It was the last one we we reviewed together. Guardians 3? Was that the last time? It might have been Guardians 3. There, no, Spider-Verse. Back. Yes. That was what it was. Yeah. So yeah, that's the last time I've been in the movies. I've been too busy. <laughs> and Spider-Verse seemed like one because I know how you felt about the first one that whether you were... Uh, doing this fine podcast or not, I feel like you probably would have uh, popped in to that, the theater to see that one, you know? That's definitely one that yeah, I would have made the time for. Because there's just not as many of those these days where it's like, oh, okay. I'll probably do that with Oppenheimer. Like, no matter how busy I am, I'll probably be like, okay, I got to carve out 
Well, no matter how busy you are, make sure you carve out a three hour runtime for the movie. Uh, and you know, you got to figure 20, 25 minutes of, uh, of previews. And uh, do you do you tend to go to an AMC theater or do you have another brand? Don't worry, I'm not asking the location, but uh, do you tend to go to another theater chain? So I we had gone to AMC because we had that AMC thing. So we were always driving out to this horrible theater in Braintree, which is, yeah, it sounds, it's I'm as sorry, bad as it I, sounds. I went to college with a girl from Braintree yeah. and uh, she thought the names of the, the towns near Poughkeepsie were funny. And I'm like, uh, honey, you're from a town called Braintree. Yeah. Uh, so you used to drive to an AMC near Braintree. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Abby if she's uh, if she's a fan of the podcast. Abby from Braintree. I won't give your your full name, but uh, so yeah, that was the theater where I had all those problems. Where like one of the the main theaters where I was always going to see movies, the one of the front channels was busted. So it's like as somebody who oh, works boy. in audio, I could pick it out immediately. I could hear like all the dialogue just like buzzing where it shouldn't because the speaker was clearly broken or like having some kind of an issue. And it yeah. just drove me crazy. And it was like that for months and months before I just left and was like, I'm never coming back here. This is an yeah, awful experience yeah. every time. And yeah. the worst part is five minutes from our old house was this the a theater in Dedham. It was like right around the corner. We finally like relented and we're like, all right, we'll go there. It was so much better. Everybody was super friendly. It was way oh, yeah. cleaner. The theater was way nicer. And it was like, right around the corner from our house we could like walk there it was so close and we were driving 30 minutes to a shithole i just it's one of those yes. things where you just realize like why have we been ruining our own lives yeah, for so just long? to have the amc a list yeah yeah but so uh, i canceled so the is, shit out of that yeah yeah so is that theater close to the new house or have you got had to find a new uh, theater so we haven't i haven't looked around my immediate okay. area, but I'm not, uh, I'm pretty close to Foxborough, which is where the Patriots stadium is and right Gillette stadium. So you Gillette can go watch stadium. movies there. That'd be great. Yeah, no, literally. So they built a huge shopping area all around the stadium, including oh, a massive sense. movie theater. So there is literally like a huge movie theater right there at the stadium. Right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, suspect audio, let's see if our pal Agent Starling is uh, able to be with us in an, in oral a U R A L. Oh. Will, Moment of truth. Hello. Yay. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh. Of I should give I, you a uh, bell to my, test out in these situations. I took my dog to the groomer at 9 a.m. thinking it couldn't take possibly longer than an hour, two hours to get him groomed. Of course. Um, <laughs> he's going to be ready at one o'clock now. So I will be back shortly. I'll be here and then I'll be away and then I'll be back. Okay. So uh, do we need to give you a tight 10 or uh, when do you need to, to be out and then you'll return? Uh, when yeah, in, uh, in 10 and then I'll be back okay. like we'll give 15 you 10. minutes after. So we yeah. were talking about, uh, you know, Jeff going to the movies, the theater as it were. And uh, he, he had an interesting thing that we don't tend to really run into in the Los Angeles area which growing up used to happen all the time. The, the movie sound being bad, the picture being bad. Um, I was actually at a theater on Monday night and, uh, you know, in Burbank, one of the things you don't want to have happen is the air conditioning goes out, but oh boy, did that happen. And, uh, you better believe I went and got myself a, a complimentary return pass, uh, after <laughs> sitting through, uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One in, uh, some sultry heat. But, uh, Will, 
Uh, when when you're back for a longer conversation, I'll ask you a little bit about uh, your your time in Europe. My travel is much less interesting than Will's, but uh, we'll talk about all of that. And um, have you uh, had time to see any uh, big screen fare, any movies in the meantime, uh, since you've been returned from Europe? He froze. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually me who freezes. Remember, that was always me. Yeah. Uh, so this is what it's like. But Will, have you been to the movies since you've been back in the U.S.? That's that's the real question. I think my Wi-Fi is something's going on because I missed a lot of that. But yes, I've been back to the movies recently. I saw Transformers and I saw The Flash. I saw Indiana Jones. I saw the Jennifer. Lawrence movie? Oh, the Jennifer Lawrence uh, comedy. Yes, there is there is definitely some suspect audio, uh, some Wi-Fi. Uh, Jennifer, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy, uh, No Hard Feelings, uh, which I thought was very funny. And uh, yesterday I went with my wife to see uh, Joyride, which is a, uh, a female empowerment comedy from uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's uh, production company, amongst other things. Uh, and it uh, does indeed have an all-Asian cast. Uh, and uh, Joyride and uh, No Hard Feelings are two sort of like of the old school comedies. Jeff, I wouldn't uh, say that you need to take the time to pop into the theater for those, but I think at some point, were you to be catching up on movies from this summer, both No Hard Feelings starring Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Joyride, I think were both actually really fun and a little bit of a break from the big screen uh, fair. Uh, Will, uh, Jeff has not had a chance to see Flash. We've done an entire okay. Flash episode. But um, just overall, I'm very interested. After I saw it, I was like, oh, I, I knew that you were gallivanting around Europe at the time. Just big yeah. picture. What did you think of the Flash movie, William? I ultimately like sad is the feeling because it's like it's clear that it's dead. You know what I mean? Like there's not it's not going anywhere. I don't think it obviously people responded in a way of being either it was Ezra Miller or just the fact that DC was like, ah, this movie doesn't really matter uh, in terms of their slates that like watching it was just kind of like a bummer feeling. Cause it was like, it took this long to get a movie that's essentially just dead in the water upon its release. Uh, so it was just kind of a bummer. I didn't think it was like horrible, but there was also that feeling of like, this was clearly meant to do something that now it no longer is going to do. So it's just right. like a waste. It was, I don't know. It, it yeah, was so no, I, I had to look at it as, as it was mostly fun. I mean, everybody knows whether they've seen it or not, they know that Michael Keaton's in it uh, and that stuff is fun. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. I like the Ezra Miller portrayal of the flash, but yeah, a, 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 the whole time there's that feeling of like, yeah, but none of this matters. And boy, it's really going to feel even more weird when we get Aquaman two at the end of the year, because it's like that like is really, because we got blue beetle in like a month and not even it's a, yeah, it's about a month from now. Uh, and blue beetle is going to come out, but you're not going to feel like that was supposed to be like a big event movie and set all these things up that could still work. And it's probably going to be configured in a way where it can work with James Gunn's vision. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But Aquaman 2, you're just going to feel like, oh, my gosh, Flobo Boyce in the chat. Leave the Flash alone. Hey, I'm saying I enjoyed it. I'm saying it was fun. Uh, Will was just disappointed. 
Um, but there's nothing, I, there's nothing like inherently like wrong with it. But I will say that most of the promotional material was everyone's reactions for the past year describing it as like one of the greatest movies, not even just superhero movies, but like greatest movies ever. And seeing it, I was like, no, this, my expectations are very high now because everybody creamed their pants about this movie. And it turns out it was just fine. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, James Gunn was one of the people who said it was, you know, one of the best superhero movies maybe ever. And then I was like, but you put out a better superhero movie like a month ago. Or, do you remember that, Jimmy? I don't know. Nobody calls him Jimmy. It just was funny. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it was fun. Um, I uh, am curious, though, uh, what you thought about uh, the new Transformers movie, The Rise of the Beasts, because I know that you're a, you're a Beast Wars guy. I'm an OG Autobots Decepticons guy from the, the early to mid-80s. But uh I, I took my son Felix uh, to see that. He was interested for the first time in a Transformers movie only because of the Optimus the Primal. Yeah, well, Optimus Primal and yeah, the uh, the Maximals. Uh, those yes. are the, that's why he wanted to see it. Uh, what did you think getting to see those characters on the big screen? Well, there was not enough of them. There was uh, they focused more on the car characters, which I thought was really stupid. Like. You're finally going to introduce all these characters. Optimus Primal got a lot of screen time, but uh, Cheetor, Rhinox, Airazor never got into her like maximized form. There were some other characters I would have loved to see from the Beast. I don't understand why it keeps having to be some version of a Bumblebee story every fucking Transformers movie. <laughs> now it was the Pete Davidson character and also Bumblebee. And I was like, what if instead of that, it was just the Beast Wars characters and Optimus Prime thrown in for good measure? I thought we could have done something with them. So I was disappointed just because I had felt like I waited my whole life slash childhood to see these characters on the big screen. And I think I feel like I saw the some of the Beast Wars characters for two minutes. You know, it was like very, very brief. Uh, well, don't you remember Pete Davidson was in it? You don't. You don't remember that. Well? <laughs> That's the thing. I don't understand why Pete Davidson was Mirage. Why didn't they make him Cheetor or something? And then he could have been a lead. Like, let's find a way to make the 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 Beast Wars the main Autobots. Well, if I if I wanted to do a big uh, professional uh, podcast, uh, I, I would be able to bring this up in a different way. But the way that we do things here at the Blackcast, I want to uh, show this picture of my son Felix uh, during Act Three of uh, the new Transformers movie, uh, where it actually started to get more interesting. Nothing with Act Yeah, I'm using the virtual background feature, so it's like he's in in the Millennium Falcon with me. Uh, he was out cold. He's uh, in hypersleep. He was in hypersleep. Yeah, uh, and he was just out, and, and you know he was enjoying it, but it was slow. The character development was better than in the Michael Bay movies, which is not really a compliment. Uh, and I was having fun. Uh, but then it was like he started to fall asleep. I'm like, yeah, I get it, man. I, I, I'm with you. The, the snacks are gone. Flobo with another follow-up question. Nobody ever asked, what's Rodimus up to? I love Rodimus Prime, voiced by Judd Nelson in the animated movie. I, I'm ready for a Rodimus Prime movie. Um, Will, uh, are we at the time where you need to go pick up uh, pick up your pet? Yes, I will go pick up Charles. Uh, seems like my Wi-Fi is better in this room, so then I'll be able to be back and uh, have everything running smoothly. All right, and then we'll get a uh, guest appearance from uh, Charles. Uh, Charles. Yeah. Charles yeah. in charge. Okay, I'll be of right back. Of our days and our nights. Yes, I want Charles in charge of me. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I felt like we'd talk about uh, those movies in a, in a lightly. I, I also feel like if there was a big spoiler in Transformers Rise of the Beasts, you probably weren't going to be that upset if uh, we blurted it out, Jeff. No, I'm, I don't think with that or The Flash, I'm really concerned about like knowing anything going into the movies. I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's going to be what it's going to be. And I... I haven't seen the flash yet, obviously. So this is not an informed decision, but it's just like, it's the same problem movies always have, right? Like, Hey, we did something successful as a studio, every other studio, let's do that. Let's also do that exact same thing. And it's yeah. just like, Hey, you know how it was cool and novel the first time. It's not the subsequent times. Like it's less novel. The more you do it. Yeah, when we were talking about it uh, on the Blackcast and other places that I've talked about the Flash movie, uh, they really kind of uh, ironically messed up their own timeline uh, by doing a multiverse movie after there have been many multiverse movies, uh, not just two Spider-Man movies dealing with the multiverse, not just a Doctor Strange movie dealing with the multiverse. There was also Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, you know, and uh, there's Loki. Uh, Loki dealt with the multiverse, you know, and so some people might be a little bit multiversed out. Uh, somebody who I know isn't done with the multiverse, though, is uh, Ghost8386. Uh, good to see you there in the chat. Uh, always one of my favorite avatars as a, as a ghost writer. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ghost, but is that uh, Ghost Rider from the uh, from Agents of Shield? Is it that iteration of it, the Robbie Reyes on screen version, which I was a big fan of? Um, but yeah, and it, it, there's even you know I, you're not wrong. I know you haven't seen it, but there is a sense of like, oh, this would be so much cooler if we hadn't already multiversed kind of a lot, you know? Uh, and I forget when this movie was supposed to come out. I think closer to Justice League and then everything slowed down. So, yeah. But uh, I will be interested in talking about it with you when you've seen it because there are things about it that work. And uh, I think maybe we can uh, turn Will around from a fine to a fine plus. And another question I was thinking when you guys were talking about that, um, the why can't I think of the name? You were just talking about it. Transformers movie. Transformers, yeah. It seems like we've yeah, the the thought I had was like just have the movie about the friggin' Transformers. The human characters are always the least interesting part of those movies. Always, yes. it's the shittiest part. It's what bogs it down. And so it's like I would have understood previously the the argument like ah oh, well you can't just have a movie where it's all CGI characters the whole time. And it's like tell that to Disney because they've been doing that over and over again. So you absolutely could just have an animated-esque Transformers movie or photorealistic, however the hell you want to do it, with just the Transformer characters, like they had the cartoon Transformers movie that was like way better than those live-action ones. The, the, the best Transformers story ever told on the big screen is still the 1986 animated Transformers film. And it's not even close. It's not like one of the movies is like almost as good as it. No. You know? Uh, I mean... Also, to see that as a child and just watch Optimus Prime and some of your other friends, you know, just relentlessly, mercilessly murdered. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a journey. It's a special moment of, of uh, coming of age for uh, any uh, young child to to watch their heroes uh, gunned down. And uh, Ghost 83, 86, uh, uh, sorry, he clarifies. He doesn't compromise for anything. It's the Nicholas 
Cage, Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider from 2007. Also a fine representation of Ghost Rider. I would like a multiverse of Ghost Riders, by the way, where we get uh, Nicolas Cage and we get Robbie Reyes. Uh, I'm ready for a Cosmic Ghost Rider movie. I feel like we're skipping a few steps, though, if we jump right to Cosmic Ghost Rider. You know, I don't know how you feel about that, uh, Jeff, but uh, I'd like to see it. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to start skipping steps if you want to actually be on the edge because you start planning a multiverse movie like seven years ago. By the time it comes out, it's old hack. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like you don't don't you don't need to tell the story uh, in, in order or, or anything like that. Uh, you know, we're recording today. It's uh, July 12th and uh, a little while ago. Uh, The Emmy nominations came out and we're not going to spend too much time on it, but a show like this, I like to point out when some of the shows that we talk about uh, receive nominations. So Andor received a nomination for Best Drama Series. Uh, Ms. Marvel was uh, nominated for, I believe, three awards. And I think uh, Kenobi also got nominated for some things. Uh, Barry, starring uh, Bill Hader, and Ted Lasso, uh, nominated for Best Comedy Series. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there's there's some other things that, uh, you know, seem very deserving. My uh, ex is a ghost, or my ex is a writer on Ted Lasso. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh, my college girlfriend is one of the story editors, writers, Sasha Guerin. I'm sure his name's uh, on all the credits for Ted Lasso. Yeah. Well, uh, Obi-Wan is a nominee for Best Limited or Anthology Sorry. Series uh, against Beef, Daisy Jones and the Six. Don't know what that is. Fleischman is in trouble. I don't know what that is. But also nominated against Dahmer, Monster. <laughs> Story. So let's go ahead and say, nice to be nominated, uh, Obi-Wan. That was my thought when I saw that category. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, it has been a, uh, a fine year for... Uh, for television content. What did Miss Marvel get nominated for? I was looking for that while I was talking. Oh, I think it, 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 no, I know. I was trying to see which awards it, it was. Did you watch that one? I can't remember if we ever talked about it. I did. I was, it was just kind of boring. I don't know. I feel like they, they do a lot of these teenage girl superhero tropes more so because they're trying to like counterbalance everything having been the teenage boy superhero, right? But it's just like, I feel like they have trouble telling more than one story. So it's like, you've seen this story once and then you just keep seeing it over and over again. Right. Like that was my problem with the Kate Bishop in Hawkeye being the exact same as Miss Marvel being the exact same as another one. um, Ant-Man's daughter. It's just like, they make the same character over and over again. It's just, it just gets boring. I mean, you probably say that about the, other characters in, in the Marvel universe, but no, specifically but I, I know I've noticed there's it with a them. sense of familiarity. And I think that uh, the, the casting was strong for Ms. Marvel. And I think it's good that, uh, you know, we got to know her before she just pops up in the Marvels, yeah. uh, which will be out later this year. Uh, but I, I mean, I mostly liked it. I think that a lot of times with the Disney plus shows, they're always the wrong length. There's times where there are too many episodes. And then there's other times where there's not enough. I, I think that uh, you d- you're also not going to do a four episode series, but there's times where you should maybe think about it. And uh, uh, I don't know if you're watching Secret Invasion right now, but mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, it so we're four episodes in, we're two thirds done with that that series slash that season, and um, the pacing has been uh, fairly bad. I'm like, 
doing uh, our Marvel Movie Talk show for the Geekscape Network now. So we still do the show. It's just not on the Blackcast channel anymore, but you can always find it. It's a lot of the same hosts, all the same stuff. You can find it over there. And it's a lot of times it's just that show is, uh, it's like, I don't hate it. Oh, this is an interesting scene. Oh, I like this interaction, but it, it feels very disjointed. It's very tough to get excited about it. I feel like I'm not invested in the characters. There are characters I just do not care about. And Jeff, you've known me long enough. You know I have a bit of a Amelia Clark problem. Uh, hmm. That uh, she is a uh, franchise destroyer uh, by coming into the Star Wars uh, universe in Solo, and uh, one of several uh, Transformer. No, sorry, Terminator misfires. Uh, so she's not the only one that's 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 a bit of a mess, but uh, she's in that one, uh, and. Uh, you know, we have her as a character, and I'm, I'm just waiting to start caring about her. Ghost is enjoying Secret Invasion, and I will say I'm enjoying it more than I'm not enjoying it. But the fourth episode, I won't go into any spoilers, there's like the first half of it felt like paint drying. It's literally people at a table reading poetry to each other. I'm like, what? Hmm. And then the second half, there's like cool stuff happening. And the problem with this show compared to the other Marvel shows that we've gotten thus far on Disney Plus, and tell me if you feel the same way, Jeff. It just feels small. It feels cheap. And the other shows, this is the first time where I felt like it felt cheap. You can argue about some of the, the VFX on She-Hulk, but it didn't feel cheap the way this one does because the stories they were telling were small enough where it worked. But this is supposed to be on a big scale. There's big things happening. And you're just like, like in the first episode, there's like a crowded Times Square, like a town square in uh, Russia. And you're like, I mean, shouldn't there be twice as many extras in this scene? You know, there's it's a lot of that stuff. And yeah. I don't want that stuff to bother me. I honestly don't, but it does. Uh, are you getting any of those feelings from Secret Invasion, Jeff? Yeah, it's all the worst, most boring parts of a spy thriller, right? Like, right. it's just like, it is. It's like when you watch Tinker Tailor and there's parts where you're just like, oh my God, let's keep it moving. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... The pacing is definitely not good, but I also, that's been the majority of the Marvel shows to me. Like they haven't known how to, like they've had some great ones and it seemed like early on some of their shows were better, or at least it felt that way. And it seems like more so as we've progressed, the quality of the show and the show running and everything is just not as good. It felt like the way that Loki introduced really big, total universe rippling type stuff where you're like, Oh, you should, you got to watch this series. Cause it's not only good, but it's going to affect the overarching story. That's what I assumed secret invasion was going to be. I was really yes. excited for it. Great. And it has not been that so far. It's just been like, I haven't seen the fourth episode, but through the first three, it was just like, yeah, eh. well, it, it won't take you long. The fourth episode, uh, in terms of new content, uh, it's 33 minutes. Ghost 8386 is calling us the Complaint Twins. Uh, Ghost, you're not wrong. I just expect more, I think, from this story. If, you know, Ms. Marvel can be a smaller story. She's a, she's a superhero from Jersey City. That is the definition of small scale. But Secret Invasion as a concept, I just want it to be bigger and I want there to be more. And look, if episodes five and six are on a huge grandiose scale, I'm going to move this over to the column of being one of the better shows. There's a lot of potential. 
Uh, I love some of the casting. It's really just Fury and Talos, I guess. Uh, no, the, the guy who plays uh, Gravik, the bad guy, I think he's great. I don't even know what I should know him from, but he's fantastic. So uh, it's really, you know, yeah, I'm going to complain and go back to Amelia Clark. I'll always go back to Amelia Clark. I'm sorry. It's just who I am. It's all I know, okay? I learned it from watching you. I see. You. I, I get it when you're just bagging on stuff because it's popular to kind of bag on it. But I would say this is more of like, this is feedback from people who want it to be great. Like I right. want to enjoy this. I want it to be good. You're looking for that redemption. It was the same like with Moon Knight. I ended up really liking that series because I really connected to the final episodes. I thought they were really good. But yeah, probably early on, if you'd asked me by like episode three, I'd be like, it's kind of slow and a little boring and not that great. So yeah. it's always got that chance for redemption. But at the same time, it's like I'm I'm holding it to a standard because Marvel movies, Marvel TV, Mar this stuff used to be that good. It used to make you go yeah. like, oh, well, hey, the bar is raised. Everybody else better start making better movies. And that's why we kept being like, DC, you're having such trouble, like keeping it up. And it's just it seems like instead Marvel's just like, oh, we can lower the quality of our content because clearly nobody is putting this much effort into it. And so and or they're just stretching themselves too thin, as we've heard time and time again by the, the in-house VFX teams that are like, they're killing us. They're giving us too many projects and no time and nothing to do anything. So I clearly it's a mismanagement. It's you're you're trying to just pump out content instead of trying to have quality content. It's it's uh <laughs> to compare two streamers, it's like Netflix versus Apple TV. Like, not that I'm a show for Apple TV, but I've really enjoyed a lot of their programming. It's clear that they're putting like a real emphasis on making quality shows. And that's why they only have one or two coming out at a time. Yeah, because they put a lot of resources into a few shows and uh, Netflix has kind of, you know, papered the world with money, although they've certainly cut back quite a bit in recent years. They were just like as much content as we can get because they were really the first one of these, you know, providing us with streaming content. But yeah, I mean, uh, between Ted Lasso and Shrinking uh, and um, uh, several. Did you watch Silo? I haven't seen that yet, but it's really uh, I, I would like to check that out. But Severance was also amazing. I know that's a, like a year ago now. But uh, so two of the Emmy nods from Ms. Marvel, by the way, are uh, outstanding music composition for a limited or anthology series, okay. uh, and then also main title music. So I feel like it's going to be that level of. Uh, but again, uh, Emmy noms for uh, for our our nerd content for Marvel, uh, for uh, Star Wars shows. If there were noms. I don't know why Peacemaker wasn't nominated. Maybe because it was actually longer ago than I think it was. Actually, yeah, that was longer ago than I think it was, wasn't it? All right, so that probably would have been last year. But anyway, um, I would be just as happy for nominations uh, for Peacemaker. But uh, so I think, I can't remember if we said that, if we were talking off the air or it was once we had started, you'd said that one movie that is going to get you back into the theaters is uh, Oppenheimer, the new Christopher Nolan movie, with a, mm -hmm. a runtime of exactly three hours. Where I'm like, that makes me nervous that it's not 3:01 or 2:58. You know, it's like clearly somebody was like, let's let's not cut it down, Chris. <laughs> he's, and he's like, well, I had it at I had it at, at 3:01 and eight seconds, and uh, I'm able to get it down uh, by by 75 seconds. All right, we'll take it. <laughs> they just sped the credits up a little bit more. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm definitely interested in that. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely a fairly vocal detractor for Tenet because it was just so confusing. But also I had to, that was like when in Los Angeles, you had to see movies at the drive-in. So, mm. you know, sometimes there's distraction because somebody turns their headlights on or whatever. No. Boy, if there was ever a movie to be locked in, um, I was like, I liked some of it. I liked some of the performances, but I just, I felt lost in that movie. Well, I remember doing some more like, or having read some, cause I found that movie I've liked, you know, I haven't loved the last couple of Christopher Nolan's movies. Dunkirk sure. didn't really do it for me when I first saw it. Agreed. Yeah. And uh tenant wasn't my favorite because it was just, it was, <laughs> I think the, 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 the thing that always comes to mind is it was too clever by half. It was just like, it was trying so hard to be this thing and I remember reading something somewhere where it's like the whole movie is basically ripped off from an old tablet. That's a, um, oh, what's it called? When a word's the same forwards and backwards, why can't I think? That's not a cipher, but I know, oh, a palindrome. Palindrome. So the whole yeah. movie is based on being a palindrome, right? If right. you look at it, it starts off up to a point and then it flips and goes back to the beginning essentially. Right. And it's the word tenants, a palindrome. A lot of the words that are like main characters, names and other things are all from this big squared palindrome thing. That's like an ancient artifact. And it's like, it just, when I saw that, when I was like, Oh, you literally named your main villain, your name, main, this, your main, everything off this one old artifact. It just felt less original, less interesting. I don't know why. It just made it the mo whole movie like, oh, it's not even as clever and well thought out as I thought it was. It's just kind of yeah, whatever. Well, I I am uh, optimistic. I am Oppenheimer optimistic. That didn't really work, but that's all right. I'm going to stand by it. Uh, but uh, I yeah, I'm very interested in seeing that, and uh, I I will not be seeing it opening weekend, but I believe I'll be seeing it Monday or Tuesday after it comes out, uh, a little bit after the release of this episode. Uh, but the what I love is the the Sorry, Seder Square. Sorry, I just looked it up. It's called the Seder oh. Square. S-A-T-O-R, okay. if anybody wants to look it up. Okay, which is not a Seder Square, which you would have at Passover, S-E-D-E-R Square. Which it's like Seder was one of the name of somebody in the movie. Rotas, which is Seder backwards, was the name of somebody in the oh, movie. It's literally yeah. a bunch of palindromes that are ripped off from this square. I forgot about that. Okay. Well, that's, that's, see, that's interesting. But uh, what I love is this idea that people are, uh, because they both open the same weekend, it's the weekend of Comic-Con, ironically, people are doing the double feature of Oppenheimer and then as a chaser, uh, the Barbie movie. Uh, <laughs> because I live in a house with a five-year-old girl who it is kind of lost on her that this is a bit of, it seems to be a bit of an ironic take on Barbie. It's a little bit more for the adults. Boy, is she excited for that movie. Enough so that my son, who was like, man, I don't want to see it. One, he remembered that there's snacks at the movie theater. But then he's like, well, it kind of looks funny. So uh, I'll be seeing Barbie before I see Oppenheimer. But that's more about other members of my household. I will not see them on the same day. But I would love to talk to someone who does and see what kind of mood that puts them in. Because first of all, that's like, what, seven hours at the movie theater maybe. Jeff, how many times do you think, if you were at the movie theater, for seven hours, how many times could you refill that bucket? 
Oh, I've literally done that before. So back in college, we used to go to this big 30 theater movie theater in downtown Boston. And I would map out movie times from the start of the day to the end of the day. And we would just go hop. We'd buy the first ticket and then hop to like four other movies. (laughs) So I think I would do about one one bucket of popcorn per movie. So probably (laughs) about four or five refills. Well, uh, I, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, I went to see Joyride with my wife in the afternoon. And the night before, I'd gone with uh, my pal Eric Connor, who has been on the Blackcast and some of my other shows a number of times. Uh, we went to the the early screening for the new Mission Impossible. And I, for the first time, because I had gone the night before and I was going in the afternoon, I actually didn't want popcorn. But don't worry, Jeff. I bought a chip witch and there was some other candy and stuff that um, I may or may not have smuggled in my cargo shorts. People make fun of cargo shorts, but uh, you're glad you have them when you got to smuggle stuff into the movie theater. And uh, yeah. And uh, anybody who's wondering about uh, the new Mission Impossible is, uh, do you like the other ones? Then don't worry, you'll like this one. If you don't like the other ones, this isn't going to be the one to win you over. If for some reason you find aspects of them hard to believe, or you've gotten tired of some of the shtick, this is probably going to not be the one that you're like, oh, they've found a way to make it new and fresh. It is very interesting. There's some cool stuff. And it, to me, it continues to be a testament. Something I've said on this show many times. It, I'm in awe of Tom Cruise. Uh, one, because he's as old as he is, and he still you know, has scenes where he's running and he's doing stunts where he's you know doing them himself and all that kind of stuff. But... I am. I was even making jokes uh, with my friend Eric before the movie started about. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, David Miscavige's missing wife has a cameo in one of the crowd <laughs> scenes. Yeah, you know, just and damn it! By the time I'm into the movie, I don't even think about any of that stuff. I'm so wrapped up in Tom Cruise on the screen. He's so good in. Same thing with Maverick. You know, those are that's the most recent time I saw him. You forget that maybe he's uh, well. He's he's got an interesting uh, lifestyle, you know. You forget about him jumping up on Oprah's couch talking about how much he's in love with Joey Potter from Dawson's Creek. There's a lot of things to forget about, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's great in this. And I had just caught up with uh, the previous one. I blame my my poor son Felix gets blamed for my wife and I being a full Mission Impossible movie behind. Uh, for a number of years, we were. So uh, the the previous one to this was was six, which I think that one's called Rogue Nation, but it also, no, that one's called uh, Fallout. Rogue Nation was the one we missed because Felix, uh, his due date, uh, he came like two weeks early. So we didn't get to it. And then by the time we finally got around to getting it, it's, uh, it's an adorable gift of the Magi moment where we each bought uh, the Blu-ray for the other for Christmas uh, the next year because it's like oh yeah we should watch this uh, hashtag uh, physical media forever uh, so then we finally got to that one but by that point Fallout was out and we just hadn't gotten to it it's not that we didn't want to see it so for now I'm still I'm finally caught up on Mission Impossible movies unfortunately my wife is now one behind <laughs> she's uh, so maybe by the time we get to Dead Reckoning Part 2 uh, she can be all caught up but I don't know. I mean, I the second one, the John Woo one, was definitely not great the way that I remember it. Uh, but uh, in general, I like I like all of them, and uh, this one is no exception. It's big screen, 
big budget Hollywood excitement. And when you want a departure from that, Joyride, No Hard Feelings, two very, uh, very nicely done, very funny comedies. Uh, and uh, I, I, I don't want to say too much about either of these uh, movies, specifically No Hard Feelings. I just think people should go see it. And it's a very funny, but it's a very sweet story. And uh, the way I was describing Joyride was uh, bridesmaid level laughs uh, and a shocking amount of heart and emotion from uh, you know, that level of comedy, though. The mixture was uh, really good. Uh, so uh, I, I recommend uh, both of those. But uh, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk uh, Oppenheimer once it comes out, Jeff. But uh, I feel like cool. No Hard Feelings should be a story about, like, you know, one of those older stories where uh, gay men had, like, gotten married and had kids to like kind of keep themselves on the DL. And it's like a, somebody's true story of like, you know, divorcing their wife to like go live there as them true selves. And it's called No Hard Feelings. Yeah, I, I think the, the title was a bit of a misnomer because I think that the kid in it is sort of presented as in the trailer, you get the impression that he's, you know, he's never had a girlfriend. Uh, so I thought it was just that he was like asexual so that he had quote, no hard feelings. It's actually not what it means. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. I really like, I mean, the title still works. It's, it's fine. And, uh, all of that, but, uh, yeah. So what if uh, no hard feelings, no hard feelings should be an asexual dating app. Uh, I, I think that uh, if I were single, I would be on that. The no hard feelings. <laughs> so yeah, just for people who just want to be in a room together, and have you know no physical contact uh any anything like that uh but uh will would you sign up for a dating app called no hard feelings where it's just really just to make friends you know uh they called that bumble bff and it didn't uh i don't think it anybody found a bff oh mm -hmm. No. Oh, yeah. Well, because a lot of times, like if especially look as having been a guy who had a lot of female friends throughout my life, um, yeah, you're you're never really the BFF because you're just always hoping there's that one night where she's like, oh, I don't know, should we just fuck? Yes, <laughs> yes, we should. The, uh, you know, so you're always kind of waiting for that moment, and uh, you you know, as good a friend as you want to be, uh, sometimes the, it's difficult. There were more uh, moments than I in my very brief single days between mirage mirages um <laughs> i the amount of girls who after a first or second date like wasn't a thing i appreciate honesty so if somebody's like that's not really for me i'm like fantastic now i don't have to waste my time anymore but the amount of them who said but i hope we can stay friends i was like i mean this in the nicest way possible but we are not gonna fucking be friends ever like that's yeah. really i'm not here to make friends i'm here to date people and have sex and maybe find a relationship. I'm not going to be your friend if we yeah. didn't go. I don't know you very well. Why do you want to be my? You don't want to be my friend. You're just trying to be. Nice. No, if you're not here for that D, I don't want to be your BFF. You don't have to be nice to me. Just say no. And I'm like, yeah. great. But it's, look, it's also just awkward if you've tried. Sometimes if you've tried to date somebody, it just makes trying to be friends. Awkward. I know. I had a, a good friend where it's like it was one of those. I was just trying to be friends, and then there was like one semi-drunken day, 
and some stuff happened and then after that it was just like so weird trying to be friends again but i was like oh, i really used to like hanging out but now it's awkward and i, <laughs> and then, I don't know then, if you want then, me to do something more now or like oh yeah no. and then sucks. she passed out on the roof at bujenski's birthday party and you're like <laughs> no we were just friends leave me alone friends. no with that one i literally <laughs> i literally had a text conversation at one point where I was like, I will never f you. Like, please stop asking. Please stop. Like, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> to be Literally. fair, Jeff, you've sent the same texts to me, and I did finally get the hint, though. Uh, it took me a while. <laughs> I was gonna but, say it was taken in stride, I think, amongst us. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all gotta um, send that text sometime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, earlier, we were talking about, uh, you know, the reason I asked you, Jeff, uh, if you went to an AMC movie theater for your cinematic offerings is uh, I have noticed a trend here in Los Angeles that uh, in, in, an, in an upcoming episode, I'll tell some stories about some of my travels, but uh, I went to uh, an AMC theater near, uh, it was in the suburbs outside of Rochester, New York. And I went to go see uh, Asteroid City, the new Wes Craven mm -hmm. movie. With, uh, not Wes Craven. Wes Craven's <laughs> amazing. I would love a new Wes Craven movie. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson movie. And kind of like the way I was talking about Mission Impossible is like, do you like what you've gotten from Wes Anderson recently? If the answer is yes, you will like this. If you feel that you've been getting diminishing returns, it's kind of going to feel like that. Some great character work, some wonderfully written scenes, and it's all kind of quirky. It's all visually very beautiful. Uh, there's a cool framing device. It's a good movie, and I like his movie, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm willing to always grade on a curve. But if somebody has like, yeah, I haven't liked the last three, this this isn't the one that you're gonna like, but uh, Asteroid City, I would say, is uh, is it's worth a look. But uh, I'm saying that every movie I've seen this summer is worth a look. Uh, but uh, you know, I think I think that uh, everything we talked about has been. But what I noticed when I was at this theater outside of Rochester, New York, which is for people that don't know upstate New York, it's it's like almost Canada. It's like a little ways away from Buffalo. It's pretty close to the Canadian border. Uh, so just, just knowing where it was might help. But when the Nicole Kidman pre-show that we get at AMC was on, no one responded in any way in Rochester. There was nothing. You could have heard that even the crickets stopped chirping. And when you go in Los Angeles... People applaud when it starts. Sometimes you have people talking along. And uh, uh, our friend Jeff Williams, who has been on this show and I've done other shows with, he was commenting on it and I was kind of responding. Our pal Dominicus Saxon jumped into the chat and he's like, what are you all crazy? Like the idea that people make such a big deal of it. But it's so dramatic. And my son Felix has seen enough movies at AMC now. If he sees the AMC logo, he says, Daddy, they make movies better. And I'm like, yeah. The nice lady told you that, didn't she? Uh, and uh, by the way, when I before I saw the new Mission Impossible, uh, she came up on the screen and I booed and I explained, <laughs> I explained that's for Tom. And uh, I, I may have gotten a chuckle, but the guy next to me, like he just kind of looked at me when I booed, and I was like, "That's for Tom." And then everybody, I think, uh, understood. Um, Will, I know that you don't usually go to AMC, although where you live now, that is probably closer to you. But you've seen you've seen that pre-show enough i know i went to shazam with you yeah uh, have you found that people are overly engaged in the amc movies pre-show 
I find that nobody gives a fuck. I don't ever feel like when I'm in an AMC theater, people are like, I can't wait to see Maria Menounos talk about the 20 or whatever it's called now. And then for all of this to end with Nicole Kidman telling me that this is where I belong. Like to me, I feel like maybe it's because it's how it makes me feel, which is a deep sigh and groan uh, that that's how other people feel. I don't think I've ever experienced people being like, Nicole Kidman's fucking yeah, she brings the movies back. Like, huh, we're here, and she's here. We're doing it together. I usually That's chant together. eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. As I said. The, the, first time, yeah. the first time I experienced it was uh, Don't Worry Darling, which was a film I was very unkind to on this podcast. And I, it's the, the only time I can think of where I was rage tweeting after a movie ended. And I, I declared that uh, anybody who tells me that they liked this movie, I'm going to think is stupid. And uh, I had, and I know Will, you and I talked a little bit about it. And I was, uh, I, I did receive a comment from a friend who's like, "Oh, so I'm stupid now?" And I'm like, "I mean, in that moment, I felt that way, but no, you're you're not stupid. Uh, you, you, you guys know this person, though. So uh, at some point, we can talk about it. it's not projecting. Uh You might you might be like, "No, you you might be right." I couldn't remember um, but, that movie, and I just looked it up, and I was like, "Somebody liked that movie, oh, right?" Well, Will, you didn't hate it, right? Or am I wrong about that? There or, was, was like, or Casey didn't hate it. I kind of forget Casey what it was. Casey didn't hate it. I yeah. didn't hate it. Hate it. Usually, there's things I try to find. Like, what do I like about all movies, including like The Flash or Transformers? Right? There's always something. Sure. The aesthetic was beautiful. The Palm Springs mid-century modern like feel. I was like, I'm in 100 on this thing. And I think it would have been better and I would have had I've been more forgiving overall if the twist wasn't what the twist was. If there was actually not that twist, if you didn't it even need that twist. Was, yeah. was a self-contained story. Right. But it's the uh, you know, what I often refer to on this show as the M. Night Shyamalanization of storytelling, <laughs> where you feel like you gotta go like, whoa, what the and it was just it was so bad, it was so dumb. Anyway, that was the movie where the first time I went, uh people uh, were very vocal and very excited. She got a standing ovation uh, at the end of the Nicole Kidman pre-show. And I I feel like I can characterize this in a way, uh, Will, you're more in touch with the community. So you tell me if I shouldn't characterize it this way. It was the contingent in the theater who was excited. It, it was the gays. And they were very vocal. They were very excited. She looks great in it. I do understand sort of where it comes from. Um, uh, and and that's but that's the first time after that people are just like I think it for me it feels like it takes so fucking long for a movie to get started already that like there's 30 minutes of trailers there's Casey I feel like such a curmudgeonly old man now because she loves previews and I'm like I'm we're getting to the, the we're sitting down in our seats 25 minutes after showtime I won't. I can't sit there and eat. Well, all it's, my it's like it's like me leaving a concert. Okay, after the first verse of Rock and Roll All Night, yeah. we're out the door. We're gone. And it, like when we first did that, when we were in Chula Vista, I was like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. This is not going to be any different from all the other times I've seen this song. And we get to leave sooner than anybody else. Yeah, we had to drive like three hours back from Chula Vista. Right. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. From. Chula Vista. Yes. We've got a charger line open for you. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, when we were uh, first connecting and working on our uh, tech for the day, I mentioned, Will, that uh, for our visual audience, you'll see that Will might actually be dressed like the original uh, Wolverine suit, which uh, I think a lot of people will remember 
from uh, Giant Size X-Men, and that's basically, it's a variation of the suit he was wearing in Incredible Hulk 181, which is his first appearance. Uh, as we're recording this, just earlier this week, though, we did get our first look at uh, some of the, uh, well, really, it's a publicity photo, and I'm not big on uh, set leaks, but this is an officially released photo that first showed up on uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, Instagram stories. And I I know that, Will, I don't know what your excitement level might be for Deadpool 3, uh, but I've, I, I really like the first one. I apologized for aspects of the second one, but I mostly liked it. But I don't know, getting Hugh Jackman in the Wolverine costume, uh, at least a version of it, this is exactly what the black cast was designed for, is reacting yes. to a photo like this. I feel like 549 episodes were building to this moment. So, Will, you see that image. What do you think, sir? Uh, it's cool. I remember they did that tease at the end of The Wolverine where he like has the thing, the suit in a case or whatever it is. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's a fun little nod, but obviously he didn't wear it. And they're saying this takes place before Logan, so I'm like, oh, maybe this is the time in which then he put that suit on. But uh, it's cool. It's funny to know that like a small detail like this is entirely way more exciting than seeing like the Flash movie where you're like, oh, it's all culminated in something that doesn't matter. And now we have this really niche detail suit wise and everyone is like, this is like the Avengers all over again. It's amazing. Um, just to see this fucking costume I wish he was sleeveless, I won't lie, but I'm going to take what I can get and not be too picky. You know, my, my friend uh, Nate Miller, who we do uh, Marvel Movie Talk, uh, now over on Geekscape, as I mentioned earlier, is where Marvel Movie Talk can be found. Uh, he made me aware that there was a very vocal contingent who didn't want him to have sleeves. Uh, I hadn't noticed. And you say it, and I'm like, okay, it would be a nice touch. But then you got to get prosthetic Logan like fur on his arm if you show off his arms and it's already hard enough. Uh, also, I'm wondering if this suit means he doesn't have to get in the ridiculous uh, roid rage shape that he usually does to play. Wolverine. That's number one, I think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, which was the reason he gave for not really wanting to do it anymore is that he was getting too old to take that many steroids. I don't believe that's what he said. Uh, everybody, himself included, said. Never took steroids. I think Hollywood's gotten very good at finding new ways to term things so doctors can okay. make people feel better about the fact that they're not taking steroids or performance-enhancing drugs. But that's that body is not achievable uh, so, age without some, uh, some assistance. Oh, Will, that challenge accepted. I'm going to start training tomorrow. What were you going to say, Jeff? The, that friend of mine that we were discussing earlier – uh, works in stunts and she claims because she does a bunch of like trapeze and other stuff that he does a lot of like you know have you ever seen like Cirque du Soleil where they have like sure. people mm -hmm. that like work as like your trapeze times that he goes and does stuff like that like works does trapeze work and stuff like that to get in Wolverine shape supposedly which mm -hmm. I mean that is an intense upper body workout so I could see that definitely getting you real vascular real fast yeah I mean yeah but it's, it's I could be wrong. I'm just saying. But look, look, I think that uh, if if you're gonna if you as Hugh Jackman is gonna go further and say that you don't use any supplements and there's no you know you can say I don't use steroids. I don't use illegal uh, drugs mm -hmm. to. Okay, that might be true. 
but yeah, I, I agree that there's. He could also just get injected with testosterone, which isn't technically steroids, but is the same shit. TRT, yeah, replacement yeah. therapy is very popular uh, right now and safe and legal. And you know a person on TRT when you see it. So, that's, yeah, uh, I thought I thought you were telling us that we know a person on TRT, <laughs> and that person is uh, William J. Sterling. Thank you for sure. giving away my secrets, nice. brother. Oh yeah, I'm getting ready to break into a slim gym. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to isolate that and start putting it at the end credits of the black cast, uh, where we have a little montage of clips. And uh, you've given me something new to work with. Thank you, Jeff. I'm sorry, what were you say, William? Just that uh, <clears throat> The Rock should have a discussion about some things, and also. Yeah. There's an actor named Alan Richson who plays the new Jack Reacher, and he's been in a bunch of things recently. He's always been a, a, a in really good shape looking guy. And you look at season one of Reacher, and I'm like, this dude's, he's like the right shape for this. I was like, this is all achievable. And then for season two, I think he felt a lot of pressure to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And he posted like a picture of himself in a tank top. And just looking at his shoulders, I was like, drugs. Oh. Right away. It's just different. You're just muscle mass looks different. Your body holds this shit but differently. It, it's also one of those things. He's been because he played uh, Thad, the linebacker in right. Blue Mountain State, which was a hilarious show right. uh, from forever ago. Soup never would work today. But anyways, so he's been like ripped for over a decade. There's yeah. no way you are that good of shape for that long and then are able to grow natural muscle with any kind of speed. Like when you have worked out that long it takes that much longer to grow your muscles because they've already like figured out what they're doing. Yeah. All the headlines when they say like, so-and-so put on 20 pounds of muscle to be in this part. I was like, I'm like 20 pounds of muscle and how, and how long it's not a, yeah. that's unbelievable. You th look at the fact that professional athletes will only maybe get like 10, 15 pounds and then shed part of it. Once the season starts. Yeah that's like actual muscle that's like functional all this other stuff it's like maybe they gain 20 pounds but not 20 pounds of muscle like come right. on yeah uh, to uh to close the book on uh, this part of the conversation uh i i do like getting to see this uh this version of the wolverine suit uh on hugh jackman from the set of the movie but i feel like people should really agree with me that what we really need is the brown and tan suit because all the best wolverine stories all happen in the brown and tan suit and uh my pal uh jordan bloom who was the showrunner of the modok series uh and has a great comic book series that he co-created with Patton oswald now available in trade paperback called uh called minor threats uh he agrees and he actually made this point on social media before i did uh that uh, if only it was the brown and tan suit and uh, i agree uh, but uh, Will and Jeff, I want to give you the opportunity to be wrong. Are you glad it's the yellow and black slash yellow and blue Wolverine suit as instead of this one? I'll ask you first, Jeff. No, I mean, frankly, it's not good enough because it doesn't <laughs> have the cool slash things. Like basically you either perfectly recreate X-Men 97 costume or <laughs> this one, or you go fuck yourself. End of conversation. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's a, that's another clip I can pull for the end. His fuck yourself. End of conversation. Uh, what do you think, Will? Do you? Uh, I, I I think you have an affinity for the yellow one, but I'm not sure. 
I do have an affinity for the yellow and blue just because that was watching the animated series as a kid. That's just what I always recognized and I always knew. And I always thought it was that was the action figure I had. I wouldn't be surprised if he does wear this suit at some point in the movie. This is very, I feel like the attention to detail and Ryan Reynolds being able to make the argument of like, hey, no one ever even sees my fucking face in this movie. So you're going to wear whatever we say you're going to wear. And it's going to we're going to have a great time and like they're friends. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple versions of suits for him just for that, shitting. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, and I'm wondering, are we going to get his uh, alter ego patch who hangs around Magrapore just? In, <laughs> I can easily uh, see one of those, like, your dress-up vis-a-vis, like, pretty woman where they're, he's, like, coming out of the dressing room in his different Wolverine costumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, no. they've done they've done that on Doctor Who with a new doctor, you know, where it's like, what about this scarf? No, 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 it's outdated. Yeah. Well, speaking of outdated, uh, this 550th episode of the Black Cast uh, has already gotten outdated, but for our, our visual audience, I'll just say, wink, wink, stay tuned. Everybody else uh, will see you next week. But uh, until then, I always want to let everybody know where uh, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram and threads at Christian DMZ. Jeff, do you even know what threads is? Is it not? I've heard about it. It's a clothing thing. (laughs) Close. It's actually it's actually Zuckerberg's uh, attempt to take down Elon Musk and Twitter. And, uh, you know, whether they fight in a boxing ring or not, it's really threads. Uh, versed uh, Twitter, and that's where I can be found. Will, are you on threads? I am on threads. Just because Will Sterling underscore? Instagram. They're like, claim your name. And I was like, I got to claim oh. this name before yeah. that old fucker does somewhere. That's the same thing I did. Yeah, the same guy who has at Will Sterling on, on Twitter. Twitter. But yeah. So you're at Will Sterling underscore on threads. I'm just uh, on Twitter. After all these years, I've had to embrace the underscore. They're like, it is what it is. All my things are the underscore. It's not too yeah. hard to remember anymore. It's not. No, yeah. no, we're used to it. Hey, yeah. When it was Will underscore Sterling underscore or whatever, that was that was too much. And uh, was Will, never, you're, was it? Was that a thing? It was, I forget. You had something different at one point. Uh, I I only know because at some point this year I re listened to Blackcast One, which is something I keep putting off. But I want you and I to go through some of those clips at some point. But mm-hmm. I always I always come up with other content that seems more fun. Uh, look look at that thing. jerk. Hockey, uh, uh, December 4th, 2022. Fuck you, Bill. So, uh, Will, <laughs> your, uh, your your book will be available for pre-order a little bit later in the year. In December. Also, in like December. Will, Will Ster- at, at Will Sterling tweeted about hockey in December. My book will be available this coming December. Yes. Also December. Also and, about uh, hockey. Of course. It's about hockey, yeah. <laughs> your your uh, podcast that you do with your pal Craig Smith and occasionally with me as a guest, uh, History Rated R can be found wherever podcasts can be found. Isn't that That's great? right. New episode coming Friday. So we took a little break so I could travel and not do podcasting for a while, which is great. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear about travel, then you're going to want to join us next time on... The Blackcast. Thank you for listening to The Blackcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Blackcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Blackcast on Facebook, follow at Blackcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F A R D 
M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. I can't wait to isolate that and start putting it the end credits of the Bladcast, uh, where we have a little montage of clips. And uh, you've given me something new to work with. Thank you, Jeff. Well, this has been the Bladcast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Uh, the Bladcast. Oh, I like this one. This is nice. This is what you were saying, Richard. The Blad Teadcast. Thanks for the two bucks. Speaking for everyone, thanks for coming back. The Blad Cast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see. The Blad Cast. Whoop de doo. We're watching it. We got no Wi Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Blad Cast with me and Carl. Christian. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. One of Christian Blatt's favorite people in here to talk to one of his other favorite people. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow <laughs> favorite person of Christian Blatt. <laughs> I'm glad Christian Blatt uh, put that up because I totally forgot I am doing the podcast tomorrow. So, yes, tomorrow at 4 p.m., the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> That was not my fault.